Men, thanks for listening to our 920 Man Challenge podcast. These are Bible teachings that are meant to be discussed alongside other men in community at our Blankenbaker Man Challenge gathering, where we prioritize developing a competent and confident understanding of who Jesus is and authentic and intentional male relationships. We hope this teaching of God's Word grows your relationship with the Lord, and we urge you to unpack it in your relationship with others. Enjoy! Hey, welcome men. Good morning. How are you all this morning? Three of you all are awake. That's, a, that's, a, that's up from last week. I think last week the crowd was a little quieter. So hey guys, uh, this morning before we get rolling, uh, we've got an awesome panel uh, lined up for you this morning. Just some great godly men uh, with some godly wisdom from very, very different backgrounds. Um, very different faith journeys. Um, and I think looking at the, the few of you all in the room that I do know your story pretty well, um, I think that's probably the same, the same description that we would give for all of us sitting out here right now. Um, very different journeys, um, maybe same time of life, but just different phases, different seasons from time to time. So um, I just, I love seeing you guys here. Uh, this has been a fun series uh, for us, uh, for our team to go along with, with Ken Eidelman and Ken Evans. So uh, we're just gonna pick up and, and we're gonna get going. So as we kind of prepared for today, um, it took me a minute, I had to step back and I started to really dive into my relationship with my dad um, and start to reflect back on what that looks like and, and I don't know if this is some of your story, and if it is, it's unfortunate and I hate it. But, but here I am, I'm 14 years out uh, into marriage, but I'm 13 years out without my dad. So having that space, it's kind of tough sometimes to like, I still haven't deleted his number from my phone. And there's those moments where I'm like, man, I'm going to call. No, I'm not. Still, it's still raw. It's still fresh. But to have other men like you all, other men like these men that are gonna come out on stage to pour into and to learn from is such a blessing for somebody in my shoes that, that I'm not walking alone. I'm not walking without an earthly father, but I'm walking with my father in heaven. Um, I'm walking with that reassurance that one day we'll be back again, again. And all these times I wanna call, like he's gonna pick up the phone on the other side. And there's that hope. Um, so, so as I reflected in this, I, I started coming across uh, a CNBC article, um, not usually somewhere I would probably land to go read an article um, at all, maybe the first time I ever got on their website, but um, there's a, an author of a book, Raising an Entrepreneur, um, Margot Mackle Biznow, I probably butchered her name, um, but she shared some of these common lessons that she interviewed almost 100 different parents uh, of successful entrepreneurs in our world, and what was the secret sauce? You know, she, she would really check in with them, what's the secret sauce? How'd you do it? What, what can we glean from that? And there were four kind of common, common threads that, that popped out of what they did when their kids were young. Um, and and I, I could even see these things working even as an adult um, as well. But what, are, what they did... Uh, or didn't do to allow their kids to achieve their dreams. And so I just want to knock through a couple of these real quick, just to encourage you guys. Um, as I looked through these, I kind of thought back, I'm like, man, they didn't always seem to have it together because I was a cocky, prideful kid. But man, my parents, they set me up. 
They set me up big time. And now as a parent of five kids, I see that more and more that a lot of days I took advantage of what they did for me to set me up. So, so thing number one, um, that parents of these successful entrepreneurs, um, they never neglected financial literacy. Um, for my parents and for me, they taught me the, the, the value of a hard, hard day's work, uh, but they also taught me the value of a dollar. Um, you know, my dad would often say things along the lines of, um, if you don't have it and you charge it, you're just stealing tomorrow's fruit. Um, they, they, they helped me develop a sense of pride and ownership in what I did. Uh, if you walk into our office ever and walk over to my space, um, there's a green and white baseball bat still hanging behind my desk. I bought that. I worked my tail off. They were not going to get me that bat, but I went out and I earned it. Um, and still to this day, there's a lot of base hits still left in that bat, unfortunately. Um, second thing they did is they never prized money or high-paying degrees over happiness. Um, I saw my dad hate what he did from day to day to provide for his family. 30 years he was in pollution control with LG&E. He, he loved the people he worked with, but he hated the job, but he did it to provide for our family. And I saw this kind of come to fruit of what true happiness for my dad looked like. My senior year of high school, he got to retire. And then two years later, he started working for AAA, doing some travel business. And, and that was something my dad was passionate about. That was something that brought him joy. I saw my dad excited to wake up and go to work every day. I saw him come home and not neglect his family, but think about what he got to do the next day. Like I really got to see a drive in my dad that I hadn't seen for 18 years prior. Um, the other, so the third thing uh, this book brings out is they never made all the choices for their kids. Um, it, it teaches independence. Um, we hate seeing our kids fail, but if we don't fail, if we don't let our kids fail, then we're never gonna learn. Um, I've found that to be true. The best lessons in life I've ever learned is face down in the mud and having to figure it out. Y'all, in my house, one of the things that we really push on our kids um, is, is we try to make things simple. Um, we have one rule in our house, and we call it the three Ds, but it's don't do dumb stuff. That's what the three Ds stand for. And for my kids, when they do make those mistakes, we talk about failing forward. It's okay to fail, but how are you going to move forward from it? Don't sit in it. Don't relish in it. And guys, I think as, as dads, um, if you have woke up today, I'm sure at some point today you're going to fail, and it's okay. Let's learn from it, and let's move on. Let's grow. And the last thing this article talked about uh, was they never treated their kids' hobbies as a waste of time. I know for me, my dad probably needed to have a part-time job. For any of us old South End kids, um, I single-handedly funded bat and putt. I don't know about you all. <laughs> but if I had to pay my dad even half of what his hourly wage was for the hours that we spent nose-to-nose, eyeball-to-eyeball, screaming and spitting in each other's face over a swing man, I'm going to be in debt the rest of my life. I will never be able to repay my dad for the time, the money, and the effort that went into the concrete and the nets at Bat and Putt. You know, the other thing uh, inside of this is now as a dad, I, I, never, I never did theater. My oldest, she's a theater and a choir kid. My, my, my second oldest, uh, she's started in gymnastics and now she's in competitive cheer. Y'all, I don't know nothing about any of that. But I'll tell you one thing, I'm the front center guy at every single one of these events or comps. 
and I'm the loudest one there. I don't know what I'm cheering for, but I know who I'm cheering for. And I know that those are going to be those values that my kids wind up seeing is that I showed up. And so out of all these lessons that we probably learn, ultimately, I think, I think these three things come to light. And it's going to make this super simple. If you feel um, worn, up, worn down, beat up, that you're not doing it, just try these simple things today. Be present, be available, and be excited. I'll say it again. Be present, be available, and be excited. Y'all, it's super simple to pursue your kids. I, I can tell you off the top of my head, one time that I didn't have one of my parents at one of my events, and they were out, out of the country celebrating 25 years of marriage. They earned it. They were present. And I can tell you the times that they weren't present. I can tell you the, the pain and the anguish of finishing my first marathon. I know it doesn't look like I run, but I used to. But I remember hitting mile 19, and I always jokingly tell people, mile 19, if you want to meet the Holy Spirit, he'll see you at mile 19. Because it was at mile 19 that I realized at mile 26.2, that was the first event other than one baseball game that my dad wasn't going to be at the finish line. But guess who was? My mom. She was standing there in the center of all those people. She was the loudest one screaming. Yeah, so be present. Be available. When they call up and they're like, Dad, garbage disposal's busted again. Dad, I don't know how to take the trash out. Show it for them. Be available. Answer the phone. But be excited. So before we kick it over to Kent uh, and his team, I want to I share a couple upcoming events with you all um, that, that will do just that. It will allow us as dads to be present, to be available, uh, and to be excited with our families. Uh, so the first one that I want to talk about is coming up on July 31st. Uh, we've got food, food trucks, family, and fun uh, out here at the ball fields from 5 to 8. Uh, it's just going to be a Blankenbaker family picnic. Um, it's just, it's a really big family. Um, so y'all, pack up the family, bring your chairs out, um, and come out and have some fun. Um, allegedly, there's going to be inflatables. Uh, there's going to be yard games. We'll have cornhole. We'll have some other things, uh, other ways to have fun with your kids. And just hang out and just be present with our big family. Uh, second one, uh, this one's pretty important. Uh, how do we equip ourselves? How do we stay honest uh, as men growing in our faith, but man challenge. We're going to kick off August 18th, August 20th, so Thursday uh, and Saturday. Now, here's the big kicker. We are moving out of the block. We have surpassed what the block can handle of us men, and we're moving over to FH2 in the main building. Um, it's going to be awesome. Um, for those of you who are here on Thursday and you feel like you're also sharing with the table that are six tables over because we're so jam-packed in here, uh, we're going to be able to spread out. The room has been updated. We've got some great equipment over there that we'll be able to really invest in our tables but have a little bit of space and a little bit of privacy as well. Uh, and then lastly, uh, we've got two Manhood Journey events coming up that I think are awesome. Um, I do not have a son in this category yet, but for, son, for men and their sons who are 8 to 18 is the target audience. Uh, I'm super pumped for when my son is old enough to go to this with me. But Project Manhood, this is a focused event for dads and their sons to grow together and grow in faith. 
Um, Kent and his team with Manhood Journey are going to be putting this on at Country Lake. Um, you can go to manhoodjourney.org slash PM, uh, or you can email us at bbmens and we'll, at seccorg and we'll get you set up with them as well. Um, last but not least, uh, this one's awesome, the gun raiser. Uh, I'm super excited about this one. Uh, anybody that likes to shoot guns, uh, this is for you. Uh, it's just going to be a bunch of dudes getting out, supporting Kent and his awesome ministry, uh, pursuing dads. Uh, this one is October 7th, uh, and then it'll be here locally. But the gun raiser is going to be a great way to help support his ministry and support his pursuit of helping equip godly fathers. So, so Kent, if you want to come out at this time, uh, we're going to bring out Kent, and we've got three other amazing godly men that he's going to introduce us to, uh, and we're going to dive in together this morning. So guys, as you all come out, let's pray, and uh, we're going to put you guys in the hot seat. So, hey, Father God, uh, God, thank you for the conversations that have been growing and have started over the last four weeks. Uh, God, I just pray as, as the men in this, these rooms, uh, the men in these conversations, Father God, will you just continue to equip us, God? Will you continue to impress upon us your values and who you are and give us opportunities to lead our families and lead our, ourselves to continue to grow and become better disciple makers who pursue you? So God, we just thank you for that. We thank you for the conversations that are about to happen and we lift this up in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, brother. Hey, guys, good morning. Good morning. Um, we'll, grab our, we'll grab our seats. We'll throw our microphones around and uh, cause a little trouble. Do me a favor, Eddie. Do you mind scooting back just about a foot so I can see everybody? And for you, Brad, same. And then I can see you and Lynn. Uh, good morning. Good morning. Glad you guys are here. Uh, last week, we talked a little bit about at the end of uh, the time together, learning from wiser men. And so we're going to put that into practice today. So we have me, and I'm going to facilitate, but the answers and all the wisdom are going to come from these three guys. Um, no pressure. No pressure. Let me start maybe, Lynn, with you. Do you mind giving us a quick Lynn Moisten thumbnail? How long you've been married? How many kids you have? And you have like a bazillion grandkids. Walk us through, and then maybe Brad and Eddie do the same. Sure. Um, Hi, I'm Len Moisen. I've been married for, I think it's 48 years, um, and uh, uh, you lose track after a while, and, but you never lose the, the date of the anniversary. Um, I uh, have three children and actually 20 grandchildren. Um, Twelve of them are alive, and we have eight grandchildren in, in heaven. Um, the girls have had some miscarriages. Um, but... Uh, I teach a class here called the Emmaus class, and uh, it keeps me out of trouble and most of the time straight. So, And Lynn, what do you do for a living? What kind of business do you work in? I have in? a company called the Covenant Group. I actually have two companies. One's called the Covenant Group. The other is, uh, and we do a lot of work in the nonprofit sector and church sector, helping them with the strategic side of capital campaigns. Um, we just did the, um, not just a few years ago, the... Uh, 21st Century Parks campaign with the parks. Um, and then I also am a, a managing partner of a company called Kratos Capital, where we provide liquidity events for business owners. Nice. Thank you, Lynn. Brad? Hey, I'm Brad DeVries. Uh, Jennifer and I have been married for 38 years, and we have eight children. Um, 
three are by birth, five by adoption, or as one of my friends said, three by merger and five by acquisition. <laughs> um, uh, it, uh, those, those children have, they've got 12, we've got 12 grandchildren from them, and then we've got two other grandchildren that we call our grandchildren. They are, uh, we've got some uh, uh, young lady that was from Africa that lived with us for a number of years, and she's got two children, and we, we call them our grandchildren as well. So uh, that's our family. We have, I'm in the real estate business. I run four different real estate companies for a company called Home Services of America. It's ultimately owned by Berkshire Hathaway, so I work for Warren. Um, he wouldn't know me if I walked into his kitchen, but I work for Warren, and uh, yeah, yeah, that's what I do. Excellent. Thank you, sir. Thanks, Ken. And your grandkid count has accelerated rapidly in the last few months. Yeah, we, we've had six grandchildren in the last six months, um, two sets of twins and then two, two underperformers uh, who just had, <laughs> had, had one apiece. That's fantastic. Eddie, how about you, man? Eddie Phillips, uh, three kids, ages 18. 15 and 11. Um, past 12 years of my life, I served as a Louisville Metro police officer. Um, while I left in May of last year. I'm doing real estate now, full time. And um, yeah, from Chicago. Yeah. From Chicago. From Chicago. Yeah. But I've been in Louisville now about 20 years, so I call Louisville home. Um, and yeah, so involved in Man Challenge, uh, Saturday morning group, and uh, some of you guys probably see me ushering over at church on Sunday mornings. It's uh, my brother right there. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that's, that's me. Awesome. And you're a single dad? Single dad. Yep. And for how long have you been a single dad? So uh, about, uh, this is the ninth year. Okay. Ninth year. So yeah, um, got divorced in May of, I'm sorry, December of 2013. So got I've been it. a single dad okay. ever since, yeah. So for those of us who've, who've walked that road, which I haven't yet, and hopefully don't, yeah. but yeah. right. But for those of you who've walked that road, uh, Eddie can bring that perspective today in a unique way. Um, first question, uh, what we did is over the last week, four or five of you guys emailed me or texted me a question. So we have all those questions queued up and I'm just gonna fire them at you guys like rapid fire. This will be like a game show and um, you guys can correct each other. You can challenge each other, have at it. Question number one, which I thought this was interesting. I didn't, I didn't know maybe which dad. I don't have the phone numbers. But the first question was, how do you think Kent Evans became so awesome? None of us know. <laughs> that was, <clears throat> if any one of the dads want to own up to that, feel free. Okay, an actual question that a dad asked. Uh, what advice or strategies would you give to a parent of a child who regularly says, I don't have the same belief system as you, dad? So this kind of crisis of faith, it's, 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 I think it was more centered on um, faith belief systems. It's not, not like economic or so forth. And I asked for clarifying information, and this would be like a late teenager. So if you have a teenager who's 17, 18, 19, and they're kind of bucking the system a bit and saying, you know, the reason I'm doing X is because I don't share your belief system, Dad. Where does that dad start? And either one, any one of you guys who wants to jump in first. So that one there is near and dear to me because, okay, so my son is 18. And um, if you have an 18 year, if you have a teenager, then you know exactly what those challenges are. But he's in a place where he's, he's in a battle within himself, okay? Um, this is what I've seen from dad, and this is what I've learned at home, but this is what the culture is saying. And so he's, uh, it, it, there's this, 
there's this fight to, be, uh, to not be passive about his faith and, and not be quiet and kind of assimilate with what's going on. And what I've always told him is this, son, at some point, your faith is going to have to become your own. It's not, this is what dad, this is what I learned at home from dad. At some point, every man has to have a, a making moment where his faith becomes his own. And I said, you're going to have that. I've, I've, you know, you're 18 now for all intents and purposes, you're a man. But, um, so how do you deal with that? Here's what I told him. Listen, man, you can, you can line up people from all over the world and they'll tell you, Hey, I'm passionate about this. I'm passionate about that. I'm passionate about my God. What makes your God so different than mine? Because I'm as passionate about my God as you are about yours. I said, that's when it comes back to you, man. You have to have something inside of you that reflects Christ, that reflects the, the principles of the word of God. And if you don't have that, if you're shaky with that, it's, it's, you're going to lack confidence in it, if that mm, makes sense. Wow, thanks. Brad, Lynn, what would you guys add? Yeah, I, the, I wouldn't, uh, wouldn't argue with anything Eddie said, especially since he's a former cop. Um, <laughs> but no, I would agree with everything Eddie said. I, I would add to that, for me anyway. Uh, I would just remind all of us that more is caught than taught. Um, I, I, my first reaction to something like that would be to put on a full court press, sit them down and, you know, lecture them and, 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 and hammer it home all day long until they finally get it. And that I've found, I've tried that and, it, and it's not been successful at all. Um, I would love them and I would love them and I would love them and I would love them. And I would, I would walk my talk to the best of my ability. I would pray to and plead with God uh, to soften the heart of my child. Um, and I would wait for just the right opportunities to have just the right conversations. I don't think there's a question that'll come up here today that I haven't, that I haven't somehow lived out. I, I would love to tell you that all my kids are remarkable and always have been. And that's, you know, there's just been, there's been some tough journeys with some of our children and, uh, and continue to be some tough journeys with a couple of our children. Uh, I, I, so I, I've seen them. I've, I've been there. I don't know that I'm doing it right, but I'm absolutely convinced that the opportunities that we've received the opportunities we've experienced with our, especially our younger kids who a couple of them are struggling, uh, the opportunities that we've received and that have opened up when we were ready, when we were gentle, when we were loving, when we were kind, um, are, are numerous. So, yeah. So, so be patient and let God do his work too. Yeah. I, I would agree with that, Brad. As a matter of fact, I came to the Lord as a result of my mother-in-law and father-in-law loving me into the kingdom. They knew I wasn't saved. So their decision was to love me, and as a result of that, I was saved. I, I think the issue, though, is that there is a time, and I think this is where it puts responsibility on us as parents to learn God's Word, to know God's Word, and to be able to sit down. Scripture challenges us, let us reason together, and I do think there is a place for sitting down and reasoning with your children, uh, listening to their discussion, their arguments, their uh, questions, etc. Because oftentimes that just is a, a voice of rebellion, but sometimes it's a voice that says, I don't necessarily believe this, Dad. I'm having trouble with this. Um, and, and I think it, you have to be a judge of that, but I think sometimes it does make sense to sit down with them in a reasonable way. Why don't you believe? No, that's not what I'm talking about. But sometimes we get there. So it's important to be in control 
uh, of yourself, be self-controlled through the Spirit, but at the same time, lay out some reasons for Scripture. I have a friend of mine who is an expert on the resurrection, a guy named Gary Habermas. He's written like 43 books. I've had him here several times to speak. But, but Gary is well-reasoned in his discussions. He is, he is almost emotionless, other than the fact that he's a funny guy. But he lays out, and I've heard him in debates lay out why he believes and what the evidence is for the resurrection, for Christianity, all of that stuff. So I do think it's important for us, and it's incumbent upon us to be prepared to study God's Word, to understand God's Word, mm. and then be able to deal in a soft way with our kids. But as you said, Brad and Eddie, it's important to love them uh, because yeah. that's, that's really critical. You, you have to walk your talk. Mm. I hear part of what you guys are saying is that there's discernment involved in each case because there may be a push and a pull and there may be a moment when you're more tender and listening and there may be a moment when you're stepping in and engaging. Um, does that kind of uh, discernment come naturally to you guys? Like did you walk in, your baby was born and you went, voila, look, discernment. Um, how did you learn how to have that discernment child by child? Because you know, on the stage we got 20 kids represented basically and 50 grandkids. <clears throat> How'd y'all learn that discernment sort of child by child well when you're super spiritual like me it's, man, it's, 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 uh, <laughs> it's just, it's just comes out naturally it's just natural, yeah. um, <laughs> no man it, it's observation it's observation early okay. on I think okay. um, because all of our kids are different right and you, you just you, you know what their weak points are you know what their strong points are um, and so that's just that kind of discernment just kind of builds up. And then you're praying for them individually, I think, too, mm. asking the Lord for direction about, hey, each one has a different challenge. How do I, how do I reach this one? And, mm. you know, I've got two daughters, right? So we know talking to our girls is different than talking to <laughs> your, your son. Your, your son like, boy, will you get, you know, you know the, the girls, you got to be a little different with them. So just observation, I think, for me. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, we've got four girls and four boys, and I would agree. The conversation's uh, very different. You know, I, I would say that uh, as, a, as a young dad, I, I, you know, I'd see one of my kids misbehaving or being disobedient, and all of a sudden I would just imagine them on Netflix, you know, some show called Prison Walls or something, you know. I mean, just, and, 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 and I had no discernment. I had no wisdom. I had no, I didn't have any gray hair, or I, or I had hair back then, but there was, you know, it wasn't gray, and, and it wasn't falling out yet. And I, you know, I think today, a lot of that comes, it's a cumulative effect, right? Mm. You know, okay. I think you learn a little bit, you learn from other wise men, you learn from brothers who are doing it well, you watch people who maybe aren't doing it well. Uh, you, uh, if you're fortunate enough to have a spouse or somebody else in your life that uh, is able to share with you, that you're able to get great counsel from, I think it goes a long way. But for me, it's definitely been over time. I, I watch my kids with their kids panicking and um, freaking out from time to time and, you know, just, just really, just really put out with the behavior of their children or what the future might look like. And, and I know today that, um, we, we, it's not time to panic yet. You know, it's not time to panic yet. So I do think that with time comes wisdom. I, I think as you, as you practice <laughs> and, and it is a practice and you make plenty of mistakes, you begin to learn. It took me a while though to, to understand that because I said so, wasn't good enough answer. Uh, so, so essentially, I, I really had to work. But 
I'll tell you, one of the things that helped me quite a bit, um, I've been teaching a Sunday school class here for now, I think 32, 33 years. And I wanted a structure. I was praying for a structure in which I would have to really study God's word more in depth. And, and Bob Russell asked me, don't you think you should be teaching? And so I began that journey. And as I I learned God's principles. I'm thinking, okay, now you're not measuring up here. You're <laughs> and so that really was a guide to me. And it doesn't necessarily mean that it always worked uh, because, you know, sometimes we can compartmentalize, compartmentalize as men. And, and while I know the truth, yeah, but I'm really ticked off here. And uh, I think it's that balance and it comes with maturity, but you're gonna pl make plenty of mistakes. I, I think the other thing that I think is really important and you guys would probably uh, weigh in on this if you want, but it's important to be able to understand when you make mistakes and being willing to admit that to your kids. Man. I'm sorry, I was wrong there. I shouldn't have done it. Um, and I've done that plenty of times. Yeah, I want to echo that one for just a second. Um, uh, whether, whether you're the father of young children or you're the father of adult children, uh, whether you've messed up a million times over or overall your walk has been pretty good, uh, there's a lot of credibility that's created when you look at your child and you look them in the eye and you apologize to them, you ask them to forgive you, you explain to them why, uh, and you let them know that with great intentions you intend to do better in whatever area that might be. Uh, I've apologized to my kids a lot and every single time, and it's, and it's hard to swallow, you know, when, when but at the end of the day, I've watched my credibility in their eyes. I've watched our relationship deepen with those apologies. So that's a great word. Mm. Man, that's good. Thank you, guys. Um, one other dad asked us a question, and it went like this. He senses some anxiety from his 18-year-old son about leaving for college. So as kids t tend to head out, head out of the house, what kind of words of encouragement or guidance would you give to the dad who's trying to encourage his child as they're leaving the home. Let me weigh in on this. Uh, in the previous life, I was a vice president at uh, uh, Bellarmine, and prior to that, I was at Liberty University. And I, I, I really have to say that one of the things we did with our kids uh, was whether or not they were gonna go to higher education wasn't, it, it wasn't necessarily a choice. It was something they were going to do, and we did that by early on um, taking them to various college campuses to get them affiliated, to get them on. And we started doing it when they were 10, 11, 12 years old. But there's nothing better than actually getting a kid on campus, allowing uh, your child to, to be able to see life on campus, to be able to talk to some people, get a sense of not only the building, but where they might live, where they might go to school, where they might eat. All of that stuff is important, and each of my kids and by the way, uh, this whole idea of family legacies, everybody's gone to the same institution, I'd throw that out. Uh, and, and essentially, every kid is different, as you have heard today, and, and I can attest to. So all my kids went to different schools, but all of them um, had less anxiety about it, and actually a certain amount of excitement, simply because it was a familiar terrain. And I think if you can familiarize your kids uh, with that process, that whole university thing, college thing, uh, it'll be a lot easier uh, for them. It's still, when, when I took, when we took our oldest son to uh, Wheaton College, um, everybody cried. 
uh, his brother, his sister, his mother, his father. It's, it's a tough separation, uh, but, but, uh, but it's fun because the other thing about college is that increasingly the idea of college is a brief interlude between living at home and living at home. Yeah. So <laughs> they'll come back. I remember we dropped our oldest off at college and the president stood up and said, by the way, from now on, your child will live here and visit your home. Uh, and that was like a, the way he said it. For some reason, the, it just clicked. And I thought, wow. Yeah, it was a lie, too. It was a lie. It was, well, in his case, he did. He got married early. He's out. He's, he's gone. Brad, what do you think? Or Eddie, what do you think about releasing kids and the, as they get yeah, older? I might be the outlier here. We've got um, four of our kids are roughly 30 years old, give or take. And then the other four are just north of 20. Um, we, we took a slightly different path. We, um, we, did not, we did not feel like it was absolutely necessary that they needed to run off and go to college at 18. Um, I, I know that when I ran off and went to college at 18, it was for all the wrong reasons and, you know, and I found all the wrong paths. And so um, we felt strongly that uh, maybe it wasn't time for everybody uh, to launch at that point in time. Um, they did, most of them went to college right away, but they went to college from home. Uh, you know, all the kids are different. I would agree with you wholeheartedly. Uh, you know, two of my kids, I'm, two of them, I'm pretty sure we could have dumped them in Vegas to go to college and they'd have come back with disciples. You know, it would have been really sweet. One who may or may not be on staff here, um, would, would he may have been in that Netflix documentary if he'd have gone to college as an 18-year-old. You know, he just wasn't ready. It was going to be a total train wreck for him. Um, today, you know, a, a, a lot has changed. So I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm not completely sold on, on university campuses being a great place for our kids to grow to, up today and for our kids to be mentored today. I'm not saying that some aren't great. I'm not saying some, that many or most kids are not ready. But I just don't know that it is for everybody right away and that everywhere is the same. You know, uh, so I would just be really, really careful and prayerful about that. Um, yeah, we two of our kids uh, finished all their college while while going to school from home, and I think their experience is very different. And I think they would both tell you they're very much at peace with that. Brad, you bring up an interesting point, though. Too, it's important as parents to be even today more so discerning about where your child is going to school. No oh, man, because there are there are colleges, plenty of them where your child is going to be criticized as a result of being a Christian. Um, it's going to be difficult for them to be able to deal with that transition. And a lot of times, kids will fall as a result of that. Mm -hmm. And I agree with you, Brad. Not everybody is attuned for higher education. Um, there are some kids who aren't mature enough uh, to go on to higher education, and we've experienced that. Or at the same time yeah, in life, right? right? Yeah, right. Maybe it's later. Eddie, you're about to let one go to college this fall? Yeah, so we, we just got back from Cincinnati uh, to, uh, at their orientation, and, and he's getting ready to, he's considering going up there for engineering, and, and we fell in love with the program, and I'm sitting here, and my, my kids will tell you, I, I kind of give them, I'm always giving them some corny uh, bits of wisdom and stuff like that all the time, <laughs> and they're like, his dad was some old with his, his proverbs and all this stuff, but... <laughs> I told my son that day, I said, son, you, man, this, you about to embark on a tremendous journey right here. And, and I'm like, listen, man, the, the world is your canvas, man, but there's rules about how you paint. Paint how you want to paint, but there's rules about how you paint. And, and, wow. and so I'm just, and, and he's like, I said, you understand what I'm saying? So he's like, yeah, dad, I, I, I get it. <laughs> but man, and that's what I told him. I said, look, man, the same uh, disciplines and things that you've shown through high school you know he started working early on and making his own money and saving and all that stuff he hasn't been a perfect kid by any means yeah. you know we've had some conversations but 
I said, look, man, those same disciplines that you've developed, now you're going to college, you're going to really need, mm. you're going, because, you, I mean, you've got this, all this freedom in, in front of you, and you're going to have opportunities for this and that. You've got to be focused, man. This is a very competitive program you're in. Yeah. Stay focused. So just, you know, try to give them some of that to ease a little bit of the mm. anxiety that you mentioned. One of our boys is in, in college still, one just graduated. And so one of the things we've tried to do is get as close to his friends as we can. So as I go to visit college, I'll hang out with him and his buddies. And then if they're traveling, we welcome them into our home. They've stayed in our home. Uh, I go buy the pizza. You know, we go to Giordano's or Lou Malnati's Lou, uh, up in Chicago, and we have good pizza. And I'm always the guy coming and buying because I want to hang out with his buddies, right? I want to get as close to my kids' friends as I possibly can even on through their college years. Because, uh, you know, it's like anything else. Good college, bad college, but if they're surrounded by a good network of friends, man, you can get a lot, a lot done in college as a spiritual development um, if you have a good circle of friends. So we've tried to pour into their friends even as they've left the house. Um, one dad asked a question. That I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to generalize a little bit. <clears throat> it's about culture in general and how uh, in America we have this cultural uh, divide and schism and there's a lot of polarization and divisiveness. Uh, one, one way that this guy phrased it was the discourse and discussion seems to be trending more towards conflict and condescension with shouting and shaming than understanding. So then the question came in this form, in, a, in this kind of a secularized or divisive culture, how do we raise kids to be grounded in gospel truth but still be able to see love and witness to others? which I think is a really interesting question. Um, how would you guys begin to unpack that, that type of uh, answer? And we got guys from military background, education background, law enforcement, so this is gonna be, uh, I think, a rich set of answers. None well, of us wanna? Go ahead, go yeah. ahead, go ahead. Uh, you know, um, so first of all, I'll, uh, See if I can navigate this for you. You know, I, I see Ken Eidelman sitting in the room. Um, when, when Kyle did the series on uh, biblical sexuality, um, I, I was so taken back by his wisdom to not focus on what was wrong with um, homosexuality, what was wrong with transgenderism. What was, he, he continued to focus on what God's word said and what marriage should look like and who men and women are and um, he just focused on the truth allowing everybody to figure out what you know what wasn't true you know anything outside of what he just is described in God's word would not would not be would not be healthy would not be would not be good so you know I think I think that's part of it right you know I think we we focus on the truth of what God's word says um, and then I also would, you know, my, one of my favorite passages in the Bible is when Jesus meets the Samaritan woman and um, at the, the woman at the well, right? And there she is. She's had all these guys, and she's living with a guy who's not her husband. And, and there he is sitting with, you know, I can just imagine. I, you know, you've seen enough of the, uh, the different um, chosen and some of the others where, you, you know, you see the reenactment. But I just try to imagine him sitting there looking into her eyes loving her, respecting her, honoring her, listening to her, um, not fleeing from her, but then gently speaking truth. You know, I think uh, it doesn't matter who they are or what their brokenness is. We're called to love them. We are called to love them like Jesus loved them. And sometimes it's not easy. And 
you're right, I've never seen a season where our country is more divided, where there's more, the, the polarization is just crazy right now. And I don't, think, I don't think that's where we're supposed to be. We're supposed to speak the truth in love, with gentleness, and with grace. Um, but but we're, 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 to, we're to love. We're to love them uh, and uh, value them the way that Jesus valued them. That's my quick take. It's great. I, I love that. It's, it's grace and truth. Should, they, they, it's a package deal, isn't it? Um, so when you asked that question, the first thought I had was it's about relationships. You build relationships. Every, and when you look at Scripture and you see what, how, how Christ did it, every encounter he had, it, there was a relationship there that, he's, that, that was formed. It's like, you know, when we, we've all seen, you know, the, 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 uh, the corner preachers and stuff like that, right? And people, are, people walk by him. And, but when you, when you hear that, you don't, that person doesn't know what that individual that's walking by, they don't know that person. They don't know right. what, the, what their actual need is. So you have to get to know people, you know, listen to them, be, be a listener, engage. And then you, 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 you have the opportunity to bring that, the gospel message. I heard a guy say one time, and I've never forgot this. He said, show me the kingdom Okay, and then I'll introduce you to the king. It's like sometimes we, we push the king forward mm. without the kingdom to display, mm. and that's the disconnect. But if you, if you push the kingdom, if you display the kingdom, people will say, man, what's, what's the deal with this guy? Mm. What's, 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 what's behind this dude? Now you got him because now you can, you can say, hey, there's a reason why my life is lived this way. And it's because of Christ. So when you introduce Christ after, the, after displaying the kingdom, it's, there's just a symmetry. There's a symmetry there. And I think we tend to think, Eddie, about <clears throat> these relationships being relationships outside of our home, where part of what we need to do with our own children is bring that kingdom to our children, where, where they don't feel like home is where they go and get beaten and, you know, corrected. They get loved in our homes. Right. And then we, we, that discipleship circle has to begin really close to home. Lynn, what do you think about yeah, all this? Yeah, Kent, I, 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 like Eddie, grew up in, in the middle of the city on the south side of Chicago. And uh, growing up there, and it wasn't the suburbs, it was the south side. Um, and, and when you grow up there, you become street smart. Um, <laughs> you, you have a lot of street smarts uh, and a lot of bad habits and a lot of other things. But your idea is to get by and get over at least before I met Christ. I did not want my kids to be street, street smart. I wanted them to be wise as serpents, but as harmless as doves. And, and so that's an important balance. I, I think it begins particularly with fathers. Fathers have to have a vision of what they want for their kids. I can tell you my, one of my favorite verses in the Bible is 3 John where it says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. All of my children are walking in truth. Not necessarily without trouble, they all have had troubles and issues. But, but I, I remember my, my son David, who was an All-American uh, swimmer, and he went, had a scholarship to Notre Dame. When he was at Notre Dame, they, uh, when he was a freshman, uh, the swim, rest of the swimmers kidnapped the freshman, took him to a party, uh, and he said, Dave, get a beer. And, and Dave said, no, I, I, I don't drink. And he said, why don't you drink? He said, because I'm a Christian. And the other guy said, the swimmer said, well, I'm a Christian too, but why don't you drink? 
And, and that started a process in Dave where he had to decide were the things that he believed his parents believed mm. or were there things that he was going to embrace about his belief. And that sent him, Eddie, you talked about that, that sent him on a journey. But he was prepared for that journey because he had been in D groups, he had been involved, he had studied scripture. I had talked to him, his mother had talked to him, and I think it's a process where you have to understand that this is a battle. This is a war out there. And people want to absorb your kids, bring them in to the other side. And the fact of the matter is they've got to have the strength and the character to be able to withstand that. And if they can't withstand it, they're going to fall. That's why 80% of our kids who go to higher education walk away from their faith. I, at Bellarmine, experienced that myself. So I think you've got to be strong in your faith, Mm. but you've got to have a vision for your kids as parents to say, okay, how can I direct this process of education of my kids as they develop? And I remember when my son Jeremy was about 15, so this would have been about six years ago, he came to me and he goes, Dad, I think I only believe the Bible because you and mom say I should, right? And he goes, that's not good enough. And I thought that was great. <laughs> like I didn't, some, some folks would take that as like, oh, there's trouble, you know, at home. I thought that was super. Hey, he had the relationship enough with me to bring the question to me, right? And secondly, so I threw a book at him that's a real easy book, Why Trust the Bible by Greg Gilbert. Love it. Easy book to read. It's thin, well-reasoned. And so I threw the book at him and he read it. And then he started his own kind of faith journey where I, there wasn't some like, red binder that I handed off to him, you know, where it's from me to you, but it almost felt like that where there was a transition where he owned it and it was going to come out good or not good. Right. I didn't know where that journey was going, but talk a little bit about as your kids, uh, you know, between the three of you guys, you have 20 some odd kids, I guess, ballpark, each of them either uh, accepted the responsibility to kind of own their faith. Like David had that moment in college where he had to start to make choices or, or they didn't. <clears throat> in some cases, you might have kids who did not make that choice very wisely as they entered their 18 to 24-year-old kind of window. Um, what's it take as a dad to navigate your children through that season of them owning their faith and it not being just an extension of your faith? Can I, I wanted to piggyback and just sure. right into what Lynn was saying is, uh, you, you know, as dads, we have to you, you have to speak into your children. You have to speak, you have to be very um, intentional with their identity. And, and, you know, because especially if they're in those formative years, right, where um, the culture is going to try to tell them who they are. And, and, and so one of the things that I've tried to do with my children is always remind them, hey, this is who you are. This is who you are. So when they encounter challenges and, and, and things that are um, contrary to that, I'm, I'm hoping that that foundation that I've spoke to them will, will rise up in the moment, right? Mm, you in that yeah. moment. That's yeah. that moment you, you were talking about with your son, where, where he, can, he can say, you know what? Uh, I, I'm hearing what this guy is telling me or what this girl is telling me, but deep down inside, this is what dad told me. Mm. And even if he doesn't have the confidence to push back on that, it's with him. It's not stolen from him. It's, that's a, that's a, it's, it's a foundational thing in there. Uh, if, that's, if that answers yeah, going into your question. Sure. So we're the prophets in our kids' lives, man. I mean, you gotta, you've got to tell them. You've got to say, hey, no, sweetie, this is who you are. 
This is who you are. This is what God says about you. These are your gifts. This is you. How do we, how do, we do that better as dads? Speak, speak into the lives of our kids. I think we need to remember that we're not in control. Um, and, I, and I'm a bit of a control freak, and so that's hard for me to say, but we're not in control. Um, I think what we're in control of is our own behavior, our own hearts, our own desires, the vision that we cast, um, the consistency that we portray in our home, recognizing that we're not going to be perfect, apologizing when we mess up, but continue to be consistent. Trust God's word that it won't come back void. I can remember sitting in the basement of our house trying to do devotions with my 14-year-old son who would be on the other couch with a blanket, and I would look over, and I'd look, and he'd be sound asleep, and I'd be so mad. <laughs> and, I would, and then I would try to wake him up, and then he'd get mad at me, and I'd think, this is hopeless, you know? I mean, there's no chance. And, and today, he will... He will we will have conversations and he will repeat things that he remember. He tells me that he remembers me saying, and you repeat the truth of God's word that he remembers us covering. I'm thinking, I don't think you heard any of it. Be confident that God's going to work in the lives of our kids. Um, that decision is ultimately going to be their own. Uh, I don't mean that we shouldn't uh, find any responsibility whatsoever. I think we have to have it, but we've got to remember that um, God, God is powerful. God loves our children. We need to be consistent. We need to be prayerful. We need to intercede on their behalf, um, but, but not be too wrapped up around, uh, you know, the last thing that I would say, I don't mean to, the last thing that I would say is that work hard, whether your family is one child or, or, or many more children, work hard to create unity in your family. Um, your children are watching how you treat the other children. They're watching how you talk about their, their spouses and their boyfriends and their girlfriends. Be consistent, rally, pull them together. Uh, I'm, I'm, one of the things that I'm most grateful for is how our family continues to gather. Every Friday night, almost everybody is at our house for pizza. On Sunday, they're there for dinner in the evening. Open and invitation, when, anyone and when can we're, come. Come sure. on in, come on in, but you better eat fast. Um, uh, <laughs> but, I, but I tell you, it's, and, and when we're not there, they do it in somebody else's house. So um, yeah, yeah, gather them and love them well. Oh, that's a good word. Ken, something you said earlier uh, I thought was very interesting and very important, and that is being around your kids' friends mm. and understanding that culture that they're growing up in. That's really important, and it's important to be, in some respects, uh, a facilitator of that. Uh, I mean, kids aren't going to invite you. Come on, Dad, why don't you? Although, I'll tell you, a couple of our kids did that, uh, invited us along. But I do think it's important for you to get to know the kids and for the kids to get to know you. We had, uh, we had lots of kids uh, from Wheaton, uh, where my son was, from Sanford, where my daughter went, and from Notre Dame, where, where my other son went. And they would come and just sit, and oftentimes we would have theological discussions. Yeah. Uh, and it were, <clears throat> there were areas of interest uh, for these kids. And, and so don't assume that kids aren't interested. They are interested, yeah. but you've got to be prepared to be able to discuss that with them, which puts the onus on, I think, the parent. Mm. But at the end of the day, it'd be kind of fun for us to get our kids up here and hear, for the, <laughs> hear from them. That's true. That's true. Okay, one more question from the guys, and then I want to, I want to make sure we save a little time for a, a rapid-fire kind of thing. So these will be bite-sized answers, even though it's a thorny issue. So best of luck. Um, my dad was asking about, he was married for several decades and then there was a divorce and kids kind of had to pick sides. I'm, I'm oversimplifying your comment, Don, but, um, 
what, do you, what kind of advice do you give to a dad? I would say let's frame this up in two ways. One is when there's broken relationships in general, it may be divorce, it may be, you know, one kid's off the rails and you just, there's a challenge there. Uh, Brad, you talked about unity. What advice do you give to dads who have adult children where there's big relational drama in the family? Uh, and if specifically, if you have any ideas on a divorce and remarriage or divorce and kids picking sides, if you have any just wisdom or thoughts on how to address that, what do you guys think? And having walked through a divorce, Eddie, maybe I'll start with you. Sure, sure. That's, that's a great one. And it's, it's a very sensitive one for me. Um, so when I look at it, what I've, I've seen, I looked at my son's face. Um, there's a difference between who he was up until nine years old when we got divorced and post that time. It is. There, there's just a difference, man, in, in, who, in, in his face. And I could tell that there was a, uh, a confidence that he lost uh, when, we, when, when he and when me and his mom got divorced. Because, I mean, I was, I, he looked at me, I was, his, I was his hero, man. I was his quarterback, you know. And he told me one day, uh, we were talking, and he said, Dad, I, um, I never told you this, but he said, when you and mom split, um, I, I blamed you. Yeah. And, mm. and it, it hit me, it hit me hard, man. Uh, and, and it was like he didn't he didn't know how to process everything that was going on. But as men, you, you got to get you got to get out of your pride. You can't say you can't say to your kids, hey, um, this is what happened with me and your mom and, and all this. All you have to do, you have to own your responsibility for why your life is where it is. You, and, and so what I've tried to do with that, and this is what I would tell dads navigating this with their kids. When I talk to my son now, instead of itemizing everything that I think I did well in my marriage and what I think my ex-wife didn't do and all this, I, I just, you know, to heck with all that. I say to my son, here's the deal, man. You are, you are responsible for the direction of your family. When you start a family, you are, you, your position for your bride is the cross. You don't argue with your wife. You love her. Your job is to be on the cross for her. When you get to that point in your life, son, where you want to start a family, these are the things that you do, okay? Your job is to stand there on that cross, take the hits of the enemy for your family, and intercept those things that you saw me and mom doing when you saw us arguing all the time. What dad should have did was this. Not argue with your mom. Dad should have went to war, okay, for our family. Should have went to war against the enemy for our family. Okay, so for my, for my daughters, it's a different approach with them. Uh, they're young, they're 15 and they're nine. I mean, I'm, they're 15 and, and, uh, and 11. And so I, I date my little girls. I take them out. Uh, we have scheduled dates, you know. So I'm trying to establish in them how a man is supposed to treat a little girl, you know. And so hopefully, Whatever they, when they grow up, my youngest, she doesn't even remember, her, you know, me and her mom being together because yeah, right. we, we divorced so early. But at least she can say, well, this is how my dad is. My dad is kind. He's loving. He's gentle. He's all these things. So, and I would just tell a guy, look, man, don't lose your confidence. Just because you, you got divorced and you took a big hit with that, mm. hey, man, you still have an opportunity. You still can impart some things into your children about family relationship. Wow. Yeah. Man, Eddie, thank you. Thanks a lot, man. 
I would. I want to echo what Eddie mentioned about your your girls. Whether your girls are your girl is one or she's forty one, uh, date her, date her, flirt with her, love her, hold her uh, to the best of your ability. You'll never regret that. Uh, you know, uh, years ago we took a parenting class called Growing Kids God's Way, and there's probably a couple of old timers in here that took that class, and um, and it was it, and there were there was good and when bad about it. You said old timers. Why'd you look at Len and me? Why'd you look at? I just did. Um, so, but they used to talk about you know the the relationship of the parents. The stability of the relationship of the parents had everything to do with the stability or the confidence or the peace that the child had in the home because the mom and dad were everything to those kids, right? And so if, and when they were, especially when they were little, if things were rocky, then their world was rocky because their whole world, you know, in their mind was their, their parents, right? Well, whether you're married or you're, or you're divorced, it's still the same. You're, you're, they're still the parents of those kids. And by the way, whether they are three years old or they are 30 years old, they are still the parents. And that relationship, the peace in that relationship, the potential harmony in that relationship, whether you're happily married or bitterly divorced, it's still the same. And my encouragement to all those who in here who might be divorced or if you've got loved ones that are divorced, my encouragement would be uh, to work really hard to maintain as much harmony and as much stability in that relationship as humanly possible, no matter what happened, no matter how painful it was. Uh, this isn't about you anymore. This isn't about how you were harmed or how you were wronged. It's, a, it's about your children. Uh, I would encourage, and I'll be super brief, I'll encourage you, uh, do not speak poorly of your former mate, no matter what they do, no matter what they say, no matter what they've done, no matter who they're with. It doesn't matter. Just don't, if you can't speak kindly and, 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 and uh, lovingly, then just be careful not to speak at all, but honor them to the best of your ability uh, and encourage them. You know, the biblical call to honor your mother and father didn't change with divorce. So um, no matter what they're doing, uh, make sure that you're encouraging your child to honor their mother. Make sure that you're encouraging them to love them appropriately. Yeah, that, that's all I would add Thanks. to Eddie's great comments. Thanks. I don't have much to add to that other than uh, you heard Eddie talk, and, and I think it's important to understand that you're in a battle. And you have to fight, fight, fight for your family, and, and whether you're divorced or whether you're married. Now, my desire would be for all of you to be married, but that's not reality. And, and it's become more and less and less of a reality that everybody's married and everybody stays together. But, but I'll tell you, the other element of this that, that we forget is the whole issue of prayer. Uh, the prayer of a righteous man availeth much, and, and absolutely it's important to bathe your family in prayer. And even if you're divorced, to bathe that former wife or husband really in prayer. And, and that sounds silly, but effectively God can do miraculous things. And essentially, you're in a battle again for the minds of your children. And, and if, if they walk away and leave, I, I look at myself as being accountable. Uh, and, and essentially, I want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant, not what you do with the kids. So. And by the way, Jennifer and I know six people who have divorced and remarried each other. Um, I'm not, you, you, some of you might be cringing right now thinking, please don't let me remarry her. <laughs> I, I, that's not my point. My, my point is, I, I am convinced that those six remarriages were the result of uh, those individuals honoring each other and praying for each other and being gentle and kind with one another. Mm, wow. Uh, Len, let me start with you. And what I want to not wrap with, we're not in a hurry, but the last sort of topic. Um, looking back as a dad, looking back as a dad, what is one thing you would do again, like you did it, 
uh, and what's one thing you would do differently? If you could rewind the clock and go back to being brand new dad of a baby, what would you do the same and what would you do differently? What I would do the same and even more so is pray for my kids. Mm. And we prayed not only for our children, but also we prayed for their spouses. And, and essentially, I have to tell you, and not, not everybody's this way, but all three of our kids are, are married to the same person, and now they're, they're, they're gaining in, in years in terms of uh, being married. But also, they come from families who both parents have been together for a long time. So essentially, I would continue to pray, and I would pray even more so uh, today. What I would do less of is be an idiot. Uh, <laughs> Could you elaborate? <laughs> I, you know, sometimes I'm, I'm hard-headed. And, you know, that, that's kind of the street still coming out of me. Uh, so I would do less of that and be a little bit more, um, I, I, I'd, I'd probably spend more time listening uh, than mm. talking. So I, 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 would, I could echo everything um, Len just said. I think that we would, both Jennifer and I would, again, uh, focus on making sure that our kids knew that our relationship with Jesus Christ was the single most important thing in our lives, more important than our marriage, more important than our jobs, more important than, than everything, right? And, and I think we would focus on that. And I think our kids, especially our adult kids, would tell you that. And I'm really, really grateful for that. doesn't mean it couldn't be better, but I, I think we would, we would do that all over again. Um, as it relates to what I would change, I would probably, you know, being a... a I don't know, maybe it's coming from the Marine Corps, maybe it's uh, being raised by a dad who fought with, uh, fought with you know, anger is probably my greatest spiritual gift. And um, that was funnier backstage than it is up here. Um, but it really is, and I, I, think I, would, I think I would listen more to my children uh, rather than, you know, I, rather than trying to be heard, rather than to try to be understood, I would try to understand and I would listen and I would be more patient. I would be more loving. Um, I, I was, I would focus on their heart more than, than their obedience. Uh, I struggled with that a lot early on. And if I had it to do all over again, and I think I'd do it much better with our grandchildren than I do did with our, especially our older children, I would listen more and focus more on their hearts. Mm. I, I think I would, I could agree with both of what you guys said. Uh, I think I did, what I did do a good job of was, you know, having Bible studies with the kids and stuff like that. Um, I think what I would change is I would start um, having, I've started it now, but I think I would, uh, early on I would have liked to uh, have more individual time, one-on-one -on -one time, not just the corporate settings, but, you know, um, having a devotional, just me and my, just me and my son. You know, one-on-one, -on -one, uh, just me and Abigail, just me and Abby, I mean, me and Gabby, you know, just doing some individual stuff. And I, I think um, also I went through seasons of inconsistency, you know, where, you know, you could go through times when, you, when you're, you're having a Bible study with your kids and you're engaging them and then you get off and, and life takes over and you realize, man, I haven't, you know, we haven't studied in a while, you know, we haven't cultivated that prayer time. So the inconsistency, I would have, uh, you know, I look back on it like, man, you know, uh, I should have been more consistent in areas. Um, also, man, that, I kind of got that military thing, you know, and, and you know, I, I think I've, I've yelled more than I would have wanted to, you know, <laughs> with, with my kids. And, you know, it's just, you know, so being a little more gentle and, and kind and, and not having that hard military way with them sometimes, mm -hmm. I, I wish I could go back and do a little bit differently with that, especially with my girls. Um, 
So just, you know, just little things like that, man. Mm, that's and, great. And that, and that temper thing, <laughs> I can appreciate that as a spiritual gift, but that temper thing also applies not just to your children, but also to your, to your wife. Uh, because essentially, if the kids hear that, they, they get a little bit concerned. And, and I think it's, it's essential uh, that, that you not uh, come out in anger against your wife in a very loud way uh, where the kids hear. And, and because some households are like that. I mean, it's just tumultuous. And that doesn't settle the kids. So. Mm. Um, parting words, advice for dads. Uh, counsel for dads, what's one thing you would say to uh, a dad who's in the thick of it with his family that you haven't already said yet this morning? What's on your mind or your heart? I'll be super brief and say worry less about yesterday than today. Um, f forget, forget about the, you know, repent. Ask for God to, to replace what the locusts have eaten and, and just focus on today and tomorrow. Uh, the, until we take our last breath. What was it? Men with a pulse? Is that what we decided? That, <laughs> yeah. You know, as long as we've got a pulse, as long as we can fog a mirror, um, as long as we can focus and speak and pray, uh, I, would, I would remind you that the game is still on and there is, there is still an opportunity. It, it is never over uh, until it's over. So, yeah. Mm, that's a good word. Eddie, Lynn, parting thoughts? It, your kids never stop being your kids. Um, my, my son, uh, my oldest son is a CEO in California, and, and I talk to him on a regular basis, and we talk about spiritual things. We talk about struggles that he's having in the business. So I, I think it's important to continue to keep the lines of communication open for your kids. They're looking for wisdom. But one of my favorite verses um, is Numbers 23, 19. It says, God is not man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. Has he said and he will not do it? Has he spoken and he will not perform it? And, and, and I can almost, God tells us to challenge him in Malachi, thereby put me to the test. And it's about tithes and offerings, but I think it's about a whole lot more. And I think if we commit ourselves to prayer for our kids, if we have a vision for our family, if we understand the battle that's going on, we're going to continue to do that. And God, I believe, absolutely, even if our children are wayward, will come back and understand the truth of God's word. Mm, thanks. There, there's power in humility. I, I, I think you, you mentioned that. I think you mentioned that at some point, that it's not about us. It's not, the, the power is not, you don't, you don't have to worry about being uh, trying to conjure up some kind of confidence to be a great dad. I, I need to, let me see if I can be confident. You know, just be humble. Be humble. Realize that, hey, I have this position divinely so by God. Mm. I don't have to work my way into it. I, I just, I'm humble. Um, you know, ask for advice. Lock arms with other guys. Lock arms with other fathers. You know, say, hey, man, uh, uh, you know, uh, how do I navigate this? You know, ask for advice. Be humble. And, and, that, and that power comes from the Lord. It's, it's not in you. It's, it's in him. Can I, can I add real quick one thing? I don't, yeah, sure. You know, and I think you guys are exhibiting this by being here this morning. Uh, hopefully you guys are in some form Amen. of a small group somewhere. Um, walk with the wise and become wise. A companion of fools suffers harm. Uh, we talked about that earlier, helping them find their friends and connect with their friends. Uh, stay connected yourself. Find, make sure there are truth tellers in your life. Make sure there are godly men in your life who can watch what you're doing and point out your blind spots, encourage you, and that you can learn from and, and that you can obviously pour into them as well, please. Man, great word. Um, 
a couple quick things as we wrap up. One, Andy and Ronnie, thank you guys for putting this together. Let's give them a round of applause. Uh, <clears throat> really appreciate that. And, th and thank you to Ken Eidelman for leading our first two weeks. They were amazing. Let's hear it for Ken. Uh, and I hope what today has demonstrated is that when you come to guys who have some wisdom and some knowledge and you come with smart questions, uh, you get a lot of value <laughs> because I've been over here taking notes. Uh, I don't know Eddie as well, but I've sat across the table from Lynn and Brad, you know, a hundred times combined and they've poured into my life and, you know, made me a better dad, a better husband, a better fundraising guy, you know, you name it. There's things that I do today because of the investment of those two guys in my life as an example. Uh, and so I hope that we're taking this to heart. And I'd echo what you said, Brad. These are the good guys, right? I mean, the guys who will get up at 6 a.m. on a Thursday and come out to learn more and grow, man, that's to be commended. So thank you guys for your attention this morning. What I'd like to do is I'm gonna pray for you three guys and we'll wrap up. Uh, and then if y'all have a few minutes, if your schedule allows it, you know, stick around. If a guy wants to maybe chat with you or whatever, I know you might have to go to the office, but if you have a minute, please stick around. Ronnie, anything to close before I pray? Yeah. Hey, thank you guys for investing um, the past few weeks. Thank you, men, for that. I want to encourage you guys, you know, John 10.10 is definitely a dad verse as well. It's not exclusive dad. You know, it says the enemy comes only to kill, steal, and destroy. Fortunately, there's a common Jesus has the last word. He says, but I have come that you may have life to the full. And so, man, the enemy loves when I focus on my blow-it moments and man, it's too late or, you know, I've waited too long to start having, praying with my kids. Now they're in high, whatever that is, like just acknowledge the difference between a lie from the enemy and God's truth, which we've, we've heard, heard unpacked. But the other part is this is not ex exclusive to dads, but we're stronger together. We need to link arms with other men. Brad said, you know, walk with the wise and be wise. We would be idiots no matter what age of our kids or stage of our kids to think, man, I got to figure this out on my own. There's a difference in us trying to be, like if I try to be Brad DeVries, that's insulting God, but there's a difference in me trying to be Brad and being sharpened from something that I see that he was intentional with his kids. And so let's get good at, you know, Eddie said, humble, you know, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Let's just become men who are committed to putting our pride aside. And, you know, I've had thoughts before when, I, when I'm with a guy that I, truth be told, want to impress or look impressive. But it's like, let's just put that aside and go, man, I, I want to be a student of learning how to be a better equipper of my kids. And so learning. And so um, I know the temptation is it's like, man, I got to. I got to call Ken, I got to call Brad, I got to call Lynn and Kent and ask them to be my mentor, okay? Let's, let's not do that um, because it's going to produce awkward no's because they can't mentor every guy. But there's a difference in that and going, man, I've got my small group of guys that I'm going to surround myself with and be truth tellers together, which the only way a guy can be a truth teller in my life is if I become fully known. If I'm trying to impress a guy you know Howard Hendricks says you can impress a man from a distance but you can only influence and be influenced from up close so 
um, it's impossible for me to be a truth teller to the other guys in, that are close in my circle if all I'm hearing is the polished version of them as a dad. But at the same time, you know, men join teams to win. So this, let's not turn our men's groups into we suck groups either. Um, let's high five progress, but also challenge on the blind spots or, or when it's like, man, every week you come in here and it seems like you're complaining about the same thing. Maybe it's time to, you know, do, do something different, right? So, so it's a common, we need encouragement and accountability to grow. Um, none of us sustainably operate well off of only military drill sergeant, you stink. But at the same time, if all we're doing is high-fiving each other, we're not, it's not a healthy balance. So let's, encouragement and accountability. That's not just as dads, but specifically as dads. But man, when you see something in somebody else or, or think you see something, um, that somebody does well that maybe is a weak spot in you, ask them out for coffee or for lunch. Don't ask them to meet for the rest of your life, um, a bottomless pit. Be, be respectful of their time, but go, man, hey, could I, could I grab, could I buy you a cup of coffee for 30 minutes and I'm gonna send you the questions ahead of time and I'd, I'd really love to learn from you. I mean, there's very few guys, no matter how busy they are, that one, aren't flattered um, and excited to be able to share that. And so that's but a specific ask, not a for the rest of the, your life ask. So I just want to be clear there. Uh, Can I just share one quick? I'm, it's yeah. funny, I'm on both ends of this spectrum. What I mean by that is uh, uh, I, there's a guy in Lexington who is trying to learn how to write his first book, and I'm three books in, and so he asked me to help him. And I said, hey, man, what you got to do is you got to bring me questions. And so he literally sends me a list of questions every, about every three weeks, about every three or four weeks, and they're great. And we get on the phone for 20, 30 minutes. I answer his questions. Uh, at the same time, this afternoon, y'all can be praying. I'm meeting with a guy who has uh, the capacity to influence our ministry in a significant way. Uh, and he is way down the road uh, compared to me on a number of things. And so I'm in the other chair. Uh, this afternoon uh, where I'm going to be the one going to this guy with questions and input. And I just find that dynamic that I'm always in, not always, I'm frequently in both of those seats where sometimes, you know, I'm, I've adopted a few kids. If you want to talk about adoption, I can talk about that, but I've never been a single dad. So if you want to do that, you got to talk to Eddie. And I just, I find that interplay is a blast, right? It's so fun to be both ask the question but then also to switch the tables and do what I did today and get to just ask you guys the questions. So, you know, um, for me, that switching is a blast. I think that's super fun. We don't, we don't have a date yet, um, but we're looking to regather for dads only probably sometime in December. It might be one week, it might be two weeks, but we'll stay tuned on that. Awesome. So let me so. pray for you guys and we'll wrap up. Father, thanks for today. Thank you for um, a place like Southeast where we can come together and talk about you talk about your gospel talk about the truth um, thank you for these dads thank you for Lynn for Brad for Eddie for Ronnie who in many ways these guys are part of the fabric of who I am as a dad um, these guys have invested several of them in me personally been to my home I've been to their homes um, I wouldn't be uh, as uh, joyful and as happy as I am today as a father, were it not for the investment of these guys. I pray that you would strengthen them, that you'd give them, as Lynn said, we're in a battle. This is not a playground, it's a battleground. And I pray that you'd give these guys strength. Um, give Ronnie and Eddie and 
Brad and Len's strength to be godly fathers, be godly grandfathers, to be men who adhere to the truth and at the same time love each of their children and grandchildren with just a fierce love that cannot be broken. Thank you for their example they've set. Thank you for this morning and the wisdom that they've shared uh, and the encouragement that they've been to all of us. Uh, Would you please give them a blessed day and a blessed rest of their summer? Would you continue to strengthen them as fathers and as men? We thank you for today. I'm super grateful. Thank you for Ronnie and for Andy doing all the behind the scenes work to make it go. Thank you for Ken sharing his wisdom. Super grateful for this time together. Thank you, Lord, for the many, many ways you bless us. We lift up today in these men in this room that you continue to strengthen these dads in this room. And we just ask that you would do that and that in the end you would get all of the glory. In your son Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's Bible teaching from Man Challenge at the Blankenbaker campus of Southeast Christian Church. For more information on how to get involved, reach out to us via the email address in our podcast description or find us on social media. 